You're listening to the heartbeat of the University of Maryland, Baltimore, the UMB Pulse. Welcome to the UMB Pulse. I'm Charles Shalee. I'm Dana Rampola. And I'm Jenna Frick. All season long, The Pulse has been featuring stories about people and programs that are making a significant difference, whether it's in Maryland, on a national level, or even a global level. This month's changemaker is the Maryland Poison Center, which is celebrating 50 years of helping Marylanders needing first aid advice for toxic exposures. And the center is housed at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, and it's certified by the American Association of Poison Control Centers as a regional poison center. It's available 24 hours a day, every day of the week, and can be reached at 1-800-222-1222. And we should note that the topics that we're discussing today of ingestion, inhaling, or exposure to certain substances could be sensitive to some listeners and may not be appropriate for children. Listeners should use their own discretion if they decide to continue to listen. And moving on, joining us on The Pulse are University of Maryland School of Pharmacy professor and Maryland Poison Center director Bruce Anderson and assistant director Angel Bivens. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. What does the Maryland Poison Center do and who in Maryland can use it? So the Maryland Poison Center is an emergency telephone information service, and we're available to everybody. And it doesn't matter if it's a I don't know, a mom at home that that their two-year-old was, um, in air quotes, helping them with laundry and ended up spilling bleach all over themselves, or if it's somebody who has taken a ridiculous TikTok challenge and done something incredibly stupid, um, <laughs> or if it's, uh, gosh, we've even gotten calls from people about their pets getting into things. We're not an animal poison center, but we try and help people out. We get calls from everybody about everything. I also happen to be a scout leader, so uh, imagine you're out on a trail and you step over a log, and on the other side of that log happened to be a snake that was sunning itself, and you get bitten. Who do you call? You call the poison center. If you have an occupational exposure, something at the workplace, you know, if there, a mechanic happened to be, you know, looking under the car that he was fixing and a line broke and some gas dripped into his eye, who are you going to call? Call 800-222-1222. You'll get connected to a health professional with experience in dealing with exactly those kind of situations. And that phone number works anywhere in the nation and they'll direct you to the right poison center, right? We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, when someone calls the Maryland Poison Center, who's on the other side of the line? Who, who do they get to talk to? The people answering the phones are pharmacists and nurses, and they have a special training in toxicology or the study of poisons uh, and treating poisoned patients. So um, they go through rigorous training and are truly experts in uh, providing the best possible advice. And do all medical providers instantly know that they can reach out to the Maryland Poison Center, or is this something that you're trying to build awareness of? We're absolutely trying to build awareness. There are uh, new folks that are trained every year, and not every institution that trains uh, healthcare providers includes a lesson on you know how to reach the poison center or know that this is a service that's available so we're doing what we can to try and make sure not only health providers but everybody knows who we are and what we do well i appreciated you saying the part about snakes because i never would have thought to have done that i would think certainly somebody got into something under my sink but not about a bite so this is great information how about spiders how about yeah. you know it, it, it doesn't matter what the substance is or what the exposure is. Give us a call. We'll be happy to try and help you out. And at least direct us if you exactly. can't to where we uh, can get food an poisoning. Um, yeah. And any number of things. That's great. We get a bump in calls every year on the last Thursday of the month in November. 
Or, mm. Yes, in November. Hmm. Very, really? very specific. Hmm. Yes. No, people. Is it usually about the same thing? Or, or? Yeah. <laughs> we, see, we see a Stuffing? spike in calls about, about food poisoning related to oh. Thanksgiving turkey. People that inadvertently cooked the turkey with the giblets inside, or people that oh, forgot no. to defrost the turkey in time. And again, we're not the Butterball Hotline. We were <laughs> to the Butterball Hotline, but but we're a resource. And people think food poisoning, poisoning, call the poison center. At least I hope I hope they do. Certain people do. Um, but we see certain spikes over time in in calls just like that. Okay. So uh, around Thanksgiving, we hear about. Food poisoning around Fourth of July. We have uh, glow stick, you know. So any number of exposures to glow sticks. Kids biting them, kids spinning them around so that they break and get the stuff in their eyes, Um, or their older siblings' eyes, or mom's eyes. So we get a lot of calls about glow sticks on the Fourth of July. So that's interesting, and you kind of answered my next question, which is. Do, do your calls change throughout the year? So it sounds like there are specific times where you're getting specific things and then other things just filtered in. Absolutely. So think seasonal. So now we're in the spring and it, we're starting to garden. And so we'll get more calls about things outside, berries and plants and things like that. Um, you know, people, when they open their pools, will get calls about the pool chemicals and things like that. Um, so it is very much seasonal. Um, as far as types of calls. Yeah. Makes sense. And, you know, we're, we're being very general about things because one of the things we learned uh, from the Poison Center is that the advice is very specific. It absolutely is. And that's one of the reasons why we recommend folks call rather than looking things up on the Internet, right? Because we provide very specific information for that circumstance. So we ask about past medical history and things like that. And so we tailor our advice to that individual's specific healthcare situation and that specific situation as it's happening. Right, which is also why, as Dana said, why it's important for uh, medical providers to call and to get that technical expertise. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's also great that you're talking to a real person when you call the number, which I'm sure is very refreshing. And that that is the, the big thing is we do not have a phone tree. Uh, which is one of the more refreshing things out there, right? You get yeah. the recording letting folks know you re- you reach the poison center, and then the very next voice you hear is a real live poison specialist, pharmacist or nurse that is there to help you. So it's not press one for this, press two for that. It's a live yeah. person right away. Pressing zero five times and hoping that it bypasses <laughs> oh <gosh>. the tree. <laughs> well, in addition to it's a real person, it's a real healthcare professional, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This is somebody that 40 plus hours a week, this is what they do. And what is the average duration of experience in the Poison Center? Well, I think total experience, all everybody combined is over 250 years. Wow. Wow. And how many people would you think work in the Poison Center? So 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So how many people total? 100? It's a little lower. No. <laughs> lower than that? <laughs> 75. It's a little lower than that. I'm going to say 51. So we have 12... <laughs> full-time equivalent employees to staff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, wow. 12 wow. people? Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Incredible. How do you do it? Uh, it, it it's challenging. Uh, <laughs> I mean, especially in, in this period of time when, you know, people are not only uh, potentially exposed to COVID themselves, but oh, yeah. they may be taking care of other other family members that are sick. So it, it's exceptionally difficult. But um, the folks that do this are, are, are very dedicated and, and experts at what they do, and we managed to get it done. 
Great. Wow. Yeah. So the Maryland Poison Center is featured in the latest digital issue of UMB's Catalyst magazine uh, with a great look back on your last 50 years. So during your 50 year history, you've seen a lot of public health concerns. Uh, what are some of the more memorable ones that the center has helped with? Well, we had the what the Tylenol tainting, I believe, is what they're saying with yeah, cyanide uh, tampering, mm-hmm. tainting, uh, mm-hmm. intentional uh contamination um that we, was 1980 something like that yeah mm. um we had the tunnel fire where the train kind of tipped over and uh spilled chemicals in the Howard um, Street tunnel yep mm-hmm. uh so that ended up in the environment so we had a lot of people concerned about that when west nile virus was um out there uh the health department or the uh department of environment would go through neighborhoods spraying pesticides uh, that caused a flurry of calls mm. uh, because people were very concerned. What is, what's being sprayed in my neighborhood? Is this going to be I a problem? That. So we yeah. we did manage a lot of calls, and it ended up uh, being a great working relationship between the Poison Center and the local health departments. They would then warn us when they were spraying <laughs> so we could be ready, and mm-hmm. they would tell us what they were spraying uh, so we had the answers ready at hand. So we, We've been involved in so many different things over over the years. I mean, in 2018, there was this outbreak of severe bleeding in people that were using synthetic cannabinoids, things like uh, um, that, that were marketed as uh, alternatives to marijuana or cannabis mm-hmm. um, that uh, happened to get contaminated with something that's very much like warfarin, a medicine used as a blood thinner, except it's much more potent and lasts much longer. And so, I mean, that was a huge problem in 2018. Um, do you remember the... Uh, the company that sent out the product that was a lemon dish detergent, but it looked like lemon juice. Yeah, I, I think that, that uh, the it was what sun sunlight dish detergent. Mm-hmm. They sent out sample packets of it in the mail. Oh, in the mail, covered and, with lemons. Well, covered with lemons and yet le- yeah, yellow in color. And um, so we had a number of people that you know kind of seasoned their fish and, and oh, things no. like that oh, with gosh. this dish soap. Again, no harm, but tasted <laughs> but pretty bad. When right. Yeah, you don't when you know realize it's yeah. Gonna, exactly. Yeah, um, but How yeah. How so, was that? Uh, that was the late eighties. Yeah. Late eighties, okay. Late wow. 80s. I remember one of the more recent ones was what the anthrax scare, right? Mm-hmm. Going through the mail of mysterious powders. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. Um, right. There were the, and and one of the um, mail handling facilities that serves um, Congress happened to be located in Maryland. So the letters went through that mail handling facility, and in the process of sorting the mail through all that machinery, that created or provided the opportunity for some of those spores to leak out. And so there were a number of uh, Postal Service employees in Maryland that were impacted by this that needed um, uh, antibiotic prophylaxis. But the concern that was raised by this, oh my gosh, anthrax is in the mail, caused our call volume to spike. Um, there were certain days where we we had so many calls we couldn't actually document them all. Um, it was it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and then not only dealing with the patients that were truly exposed, but then the concerned folks that there was white powder in the, in the break room. That was I exposed to anthrax? Well, mm. probably not. It was probably just somebody that spilled some sugar and didn't clean it up. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we're not getting calls and that their fears weren't real. So our folks had to go ahead and and kind of decrease the 
the temperature on, on the callers and diffuse the situation and reassure them that it was going to be just fine. Right. Right. Wow. And then COVID-19 too, I could imagine between people trying to use off-label uses uh, for potential cures or just you know, the, the obsession of spraying everything down. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, interestingly, um, we, we take a look at our data and, and monitor the top five exposures each year. And um, in the two years of the pandemic, um, household cleaning products ended up in the top five list for all oh age groups, goodness. just because the cleaners were out and about and people were using them. And, um, you know, little kids were getting into them, but folks were getting stuff, you know, kind of splashed in the eyes or, mm. um, you know, not washing their hands and then touching food and then worrying about ingesting it and things like that. Um, so we, we did have an increase in calls about cleaning products and hand sanitizers and things like that. Um, we diffused all kinds of misinformation, um, you know, depending on what was talked about in the news that morning. Um, I, I remember the, the morning um, that it was suggested that maybe we could go ahead and use bleach internally to oh, take care yeah. of, oh, of COVID. And I looked at my husband, I'm like, uh-oh, I need to get ready. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a busy day. Um, and it was. Yeah. We had a lot of people calling about that. Wow, it's so interesting. I wouldn't have even thought of that, you know, but this is what you deal with every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 12 people are, are dealing with all of that. <laughs> and not 12 people at a time. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. That's 12 people that have to cover the, the service 24-7. Yeah. And so like when, when things like this happen, when you have, you know, an, an anthrax scare or ingesting bleach or things like that, it can be, it can be pretty scary for the people calling in. What's the emotional journey like for the poison center staff who answers these calls? I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. Um, most of the folks that work in the poison center, uh, have been there a while. Um, they're not phased by much. They're really are, I guess that the job provides opportunities to learn about a whole bunch of different things and, and to take a, a slightly different perspective on the world than maybe other people do. And so there isn't much that, that rattles uh, the poison specialist. So it's just another, just another day. <laughs> That's and probably we, reassuring for everyone who calls them. Yeah. Then. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that when we do hear back from people that provide us with feedback on their experience with speaking with the specialist, Bar and wide, that is the first thing people said. They were so nice. They were so reassuring. I felt completely calm after I was done talking to them just because I thought they knew what they were talking about, but they were so calming. Yeah, it's, it's not like you're calling somebody and they're reading off a flow chart and, you know, following somebody else's, uh, you know, pre-outlined direction. Mm -hmm. It really is telling me about what's going on with your specific situation and we'll figure out what to do next. Sounds like these people are very smart <laughs> just to be able to diagnose. <laughs> they absolutely are. It's a great group of people. And wow. we, hire, we try and hire really good people and train them really well and let them do their job. Well, let's pivot for a minute. I grew up in a time where I used to see a little green sticker that had a tongue sticking out, and we called him Mr. Yuck. What, what's happening with Mr. Yuck? Is he Mr. still Yuck, around? Mr. Yuck actually turned 50 last year, so oh, he celebrated. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy so. birthday, Mr. Yuck, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yes, Mr. Yuck is still around. Um, he was much more popular in the early seventies whenever, uh, he first started. Um, I think there's probably only six or seven poison centers in this country out of 55 centers that still use Mr. Yuck. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Maryland is one of them that still uses Mr. Yuck, and that's largely because so many people like you remembered him, and it that's part of our identity. So it's pretty hard to, you know, do away with something like that. So Mr. Yuck is still alive and well here in Maryland, um, and our you know you can access uh, the stickers on our website. And and building on that, why is it important to still use Mr. Yuck, especially for maybe um, an elder senior population? You know, it's interesting. Um, Mr. Yuck originally started out to warn children um, because that green color was pretty obnoxious and pretty just yucky. Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Back in the day. But now kids seem to be attracted to that. So it may not be the best tool to use to keep kids away from things, but it's very bright. And if you're an older adult living in a smaller uh, apartment or something like that and have a limited space to store things, you know, it's a really good idea to go ahead and maybe put a Mr. Yuck sticker on the Comet Cleanser that might be stored in the same cabinet as your Parmesan cheese. It'd be yeah. kind of a bad thing if you're sprinkling the, the Comet Cleanser in your spaghetti sauce. So that would just kind of be a, oh, that's not the one that I want to grab. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Something familiar to them, yes. identifiable. So, so older populations are people that may, you may want to have called the Maryland Poison Center for one reason or another. Can you talk a little bit more about that? If you think about the number of medications that most older uh, patients are taking, it, it, first of all, it can be a lot to try and manage. So, and again, we have pharmacists and nurses that work in the Poison Center so they can help with, with common medication questions. Um, but also uh, those older adults are not only, you know, dealing with their own health issues, but they have little kids coming over and the grandkids to, to come and visit. Or they may um, have their children come by who are adults helping with their medication management. But what happens if, say, that pill a day container that contains a week worth of the medications gets spilled and the parents are not, or the, the, the now grandparents are not real sure about which medicines I'm supposed to take on which day? Um, they can call us to help identify the tablets or capsules to help them figure out how to reset that uh, that pill a day container or to deal with whatever kinds of things happen to come up. Poison Center is truly a resource for everyone. It's not just a resource for people with little kids. Anybody and everybody should have the phone number at the ready. You can pro- program it in your in your cell phone, and that way you have it no matter where you are, home, vacation, mm-hmm. whatever. You should just have the phone number on uh, in your contacts. And there's a number you can text, right, to get that programmed. You can. If you text the word POISON, P-O-I-S-O-N, to 797979, it will go ahead and send you a V-card that you can just go ahead and save in your phone. And there you have it. Easy peasy. Perfect. Now, moving to the the younger generations of modern times, social media challenges. You mentioned TikTok earlier, and I'm sure it provides an education for parents as well as the children and all the unknowing ways you can harm yourself. You have, you know, between cinnamon and Tide Pods, probably vape juice, even whipped cream cans. What do you do about these scenarios when, when they pop up? So we do what we can to try and learn about whatever the latest things are and then uh, do education and outreach to try and make sure people know this really isn't a good idea to do. So we have an active uh, social media presence um, with uh, I don't know if we have a TikTok presence. We don't have a TikTok, but we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we do what we can to to get the word out about 
whatever the ridiculous thing is that happens to be going around today or tomorrow. And we want parents to know that, you know, a lot of people automatically think, okay, I know to call when my little kids get into things. We want parents of those tweens and teens to know we're on your side. We are there to kind of get you up to speed with what your teens and tweens already know. Okay, so, you know, don't lose our phone number. We are there to help you. Um, you know, we, I had a, a call from a mom once. Um, she found a large number of the uh, dust-off air cans in, their, in her son's bedroom. She said, could you give me a really good reason why he would have multiple cans? And I said, I can give you a reason. It's probably not, your, not one you're going to want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good that she thought to call us. And we could go ahead and, and help and give her advice on how to, how to deal with the situation. And it's probably better for her to know what is probably going on rather than just he's got a really dirty clean, uh, keyboard. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, also in the house uh, are pets. And actually on social media, too, every pet has an account, too. Yes, they do. So, so um, you mentioned that obviously you can't call the um, Maryland Poison Center for pets. But if someone does, what happens? So it very much depends on the situation. Um, for common things in common animals, we can provide some general guidance. We are not an animal poison center. We do what we can to help out. Um, there is a national animal poison center. They want your credit card when you call. And so sometimes people are a little reluctant to give the credit card uh, if they just need to know, is this something that's a big deal, yes or no? And sometimes we can help with that. But again, we're not experts in dealing with animals we do what we can to try and help people out. Right. And I think you mentioned there's like an ASPCA runs, runs a hotline for pets too. There are actually two um, poison centers for pets. Um, and our specialists happily give out both phone numbers and folks can go ahead and give them a call. And yes, they do charge. The, the fee that they charge is definitely less than a vet visit though. Right. Um, so a lot of times pet owners are willing to go ahead and, and pay the fee. Um, so, and we do have a great working relationship with the veterinary toxicologists. They work with the, uh, the Association of People Poison Centers um, to provide education and things like that. Right. So, um, and I should add too, as a dog owner, check with your vet too. Be, uh, see yes. what kind of access they have through through their apps. My vet is part of like a, a larger association, and they used to charge, but now there's like free texting where I had to like text in the middle of the night, like, you know, my dog ingested this is, you know, what's going on or what should I do? And it's just instantaneous, you know, feedback from a veterinarian. So they're modernizing too, fortunately, to help kind of avoid those, you know, concerns about cost or, or, or what have you. And so taking it back just a little bit about, um, you know, education for parents and outreach on social media. So we, we talked about this as social media, but what other types of outreach and education does the Maryland Poison Center do? Can organizations actually request to have you all come out to health fairs and things like that? We actually have a request form uh, available on our website. Um, folks can, you know, go www.mdpoison.com, click on uh, the, the button that for events. Bruce mentioned that we uh, cover 4.1 million people, so we have one educator that does that. So wow, she's very busy and is starting to get back out into the community. She was at an event yesterday. She's at one this weekend. Yes, we try to do as many as we can. Uh, if we can't attend in person, um, we always offer to send materials. Uh, so we have brochures and stickers and magnets and things like that that we can send out to events. Um, our website has a ton of information 
um, including downloadable information sheets and things like that. She's been to every corner of Maryland from Ocean City to Oakland. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So just to wrap it up, uh, what for you two is um, your favorite part about going to work at the Maryland Poison Center every day? For me, it's just that knowing I'm helping people. I have the ability to help somebody who is in a stressful situation uh, and and being able to give them the right answer right away and, and help them out of whatever situation not to mention the the people. They they are a great group of coworkers. So um, you know, it's it's fun to go to work just to be around the the folks. Absolutely. Um, and in addition to that, we we get the opportunity to not only um, directly impact people's lives um, that are callers. We also are very very involved in training the next generation of medical providers. So. Um, obviously, we're located in the School of Pharmacy, so we see a lot of pharmacy students. And it's a rotation option for students in their last year of pharmacy school to spend five weeks with us to learn how to take care of poisoning patients. But we also uh, are part of the training programs for um, many medicine residency programs, emergency medicine, pediatrics, family practice, et cetera, um, as well as other programs around the state. So a lot of uh, individuals come through our center either in person or virtually to get the experience of trying to deal with all of these different types of poisoning questions and learning for themselves how to manage these patients, but also learning there's this other resource that I can call just in case there's something uh, either that I don't know about or I just want to make sure that it's reported, right? Because every time somebody calls us, we record that case. We have documentation about that. We can follow up on those patients and make sure that we have a good idea what happens to people when they get poisoned. Because right now, we can't poison people prospectively, right? If the IRB <laughs> is not going to allow us to do that. It would, be, it would be inappropriate. So we have to really do a lot of research to try and collect information to see what happens when people get exposed to things, to, to really closely evaluate what happens when different therapies are tried. So, so they're, they're, we're continuing to learn how best to manage poisoning patients. Yeah, and there are so many ways to learn more about the Maryland Poison Center beyond just calling in an emergency. You can visit the website at mdpoison.com where you can subscribe to their newsletter, download resources, and so much more. And you can also always follow the Maryland Poison Center on social media via Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you do have a poison emergency, you can call, let's hear that number. <laughs> 800 All right. Great. Thank you, Bruce and Angel, so much for coming on and talking to us today. Thanks for having having us. During the summer, The Pulse will take a break from its Changemaker series to highlight some of UMB's cultural landmarks. For our July episode, The Pulse will feature UMB's original building still in use today, Davidge Hall. The National Historic Landmark opened in November 1812 and is the oldest building in the Western Hemisphere continuously used for medical education. Davidge Hall Executive Director Larry Pitroff will be our guest. That episode will drop on our usual First Friday slot, so look out for it on July 3rd, just in time for a little Independence Day road trip. Thanks again to Bruce Anderson and Angel Bevins from the Maryland Poison Center for appearing on the program today. And please subscribe to the UMB Pulse on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. And find us online at umaryland.edu slash pulse. Thanks again for listening to the UMB Pulse.
The UMB Pulse with Charles Shalee, Dana Rampola, and Jenna Frick is a UMB Office of Communications and Public Affairs production. Edited by Charles Shalee, sound engineering by Jenna Frick, marketing by Dana Rampola, music by No Vibe, recorded in the University of Maryland Baltimore Community Engagement Center.